0: Good evening, everyone. How are you, my friends? Are you well? Are you happy? Are you safe? Are you comfortable? Have you seen anyone watching you from the shadows this week? In fact, on that topic, I was wondering how you spent your week given that we have once again entered that time of remembering, that time of honoring those who have passed on from our world and into another. It is also the time where the boundaries between our world and another world, or worlds, are broken down. A very powerful time. A very unusual time. Last year, during this week, I told you of a festival for the dead I visited long, long, long ago. Do you remember? Were you with me, even then? Even in that distance of a whole year? Do you remember how I tried, desperately hard, as I always do, to reach out to desperate spirits? To find out what it is that causes us both unrest? To try to find a solve for all of our unrest? To try to find some common ground that we might band together for? And do you remember what happened? Do you remember how they shunned me? How they banished me from the town of their living beloveds? Do you remember how I was rejected by phantoms? I remember. I had forgotten it for perhaps a year, hadn't I? But this week, I have been remembering it. I have been remembering it all the more vividly. I remember their empty eyes. Empty, as in there were simply no eyes in their incorporeal sockets to look into. But empty also in the way that they looked at me. They looked at me without any emotion, without any sympathy, without any acknowledgement of what I was trying to give, or of what I wanted. Empty. Completely empty. I remember their frowns. I remember them all standing and staring at me, all facing the same direction. I remember them giving me not even one ounce of leniency, not even one opportunity to explain myself. My words fell on unyielding ears. These were monsters who wanted nothing from me. Now I've also been thinking of the last conversation I had with my clever winged friend. I remember the utter joy I felt when we decided that we must guide and protect this world in such a way that the creatures within it will find their own rules once again. Their own true animal nature, whatever that may be. And to protect them from judgment within and without their world. How blissful we felt. How benign and generous. How thrilled at the prospect of a world without false rules and biased constructs. The only rules being those of the natural world. The world, which we've been told so often is evil and wrong. The world, which is all that we have, ultimately, and all that we have to celebrate. The world, and each other. What if they don't want me? What if these creatures, human, spirit or otherwise, don't want my protection, my guidance? Do I flatter myself? I flattered myself all those years ago, and they rejected me. How have I forgotten? And, more to the point, how do I proceed? I had to know. I had to try. I have not visited a cemetery during this time for the dead since that last encounter. Since that last all-hallow tide that I told you about. So I thought that perhaps it was time to change that. Last night I visited one. I traveled from my tower. I cannot tell you where this is, you understand. I apologize, but I hope you'll understand why. I traveled from my tower, miles and miles and miles, who knows how far, to another town, another city. One that I've never visited, one that I did not know, just as I had that time before. Better to try and speak with ghosts of strangers than to visit a town that knows me and what I am already. There are places that love me, there are places that loathe me. I didn't want to visit either of those. I wanted to be as unknown to the phantoms as they would be to me. I found a little cemetery, perhaps the opposite of the one I visited those centuries ago. That other one you see was situated outside of a little rural town on the outskirts, right at the point where the forest began. It served as a gateway a bridge between civilization and wilderness, the known and the unknown. This cemetery, however, was its own wilderness. As I said, it was in a city, not overly large or busy, but not a small town either. Just a city. And this was its largest cemetery, It was a green oasis in an otherwise concrete jungle. Nestled among a sea of grey buildings, it was kept always in shade, both from these buildings but also from the abundance of trees that had been planted there. The grass had been transplanted there and was not natural. The gardens were well tended to. There were little man-made ponds and running fountains. Though it was one of the more natural places in this metropolis, all of the nature here was manufactured. How fascinating. For it seemed that for those who long to return to the earth when they've passed on, they would go to great lengths to ensure that the earth would still be there for them. Even if they had to bring the earth to them. I used to understand the appeal to having a large monument left behind for oneself after one's death. A great stone monument with beautiful, elaborate statues and decorations to be remembered by. Now, however, knowing what I know, I see how little it actually matters. One's life must be one's monument. I have no idea where this places me since I have no idea whether or not my life will end. I know that it must. I am no angel. I am a thing of the earth, and things of the earth must one day leave the earth. But I can't bring myself to believe it. I feel I should always be sitting at this window, speaking to you, forever and ever. Hard to fathom a time where this won't be. At any rate, the cemetery. Easy for me to raise myself up over the gate with my enormous black wings and lower myself gently to the ground in the middle of the night. Delightful the feeling of the cold grass under my bare feet. Gorgeous the sight of the overly embellished graves therein. Eerie, the warm glow of the candles positioned respectfully at several of these graves. Even in this modern city, this was still a place that honored this festival for the dead, this ancient ritual, this wise acknowledgement of such an electrically spiritual time of year. Forgive me. Call me disrespectful. Call me crude. And call me evil if you like. But I walked through this cemetery, and as I did, I knocked three times on every headstone my hands could easily reach. I smiled. I remembered the way those spirits made me feel hundreds of years ago when I had tried to be gentle and polite and I remembered that they had made me feel unwanted. So I would not ask these spirits for permission to be in their resting place. I would rouse them out of it. Knock, knock, knock. I would wake them up and demand an audience this time. They didn't come right away, but when they did, they were angry and afraid, most of them. I saw empty eyes, but empty eyes set in expressions of fear and rage. There was an old woman from long ago in a nun's habit, and she clutched the cross at her throat and held it in my direction, as though she expected it to burn me. It did not burn me. There was a young man with a mustache and an army uniform, upright and noble, and he reached for a phantom sword at his side and rushed at me with it. It only hurt a little, but caused me no real physical damage. I held my ground. There was a whole family dressed in expensive courtly clothing from 300 years ago, and they hid their faces from me and cowered. I did not let this offend me. Why do you think I am here to do you evil? I asked of them. They could not answer. They could only look at me with those empty holes of eyes. Or not look at me. Why do you think I am evil? I asked of them. They tried to answer, but their voices were hoarse and as empty as their eyes. Am I evil? I demanded of them. What did they know, or what did they think they knew, that I did not? Suddenly, a voice behind me answered me. You were asking the wrong questions. It was a deep voice, strong and powerful and distinctly maternal, a voice that I remembered from long, long, long ago. I turned and I saw a woman, middle-aged, lovely, with broad shoulders and strong arms and hands set sternly on her hips, her eyes were glowing red and orange like living flame and as I regarded her I saw that orange light emanating from her fingertips from her ears from within her chest this was the ghost of a witch the ghost of a witch whose town tried to burn her long, long, long ago they had failed and she had set fire to the town in return They tried to burn her when all she had done was help them. They rejected her gentle magic, and so she repaid them with ferocity and kind. I met her, remember? I remember. After she was burning, burning, she survived. Though it seemed she was still burning, and would be burning with her own magic until she desired not to. A wise woman, a powerful witch, and now a ghost, here with me again. I have been meeting so many of the ghosts from my stories again lately. There is a kind of crackling in the air, some kind of awakening going on within the world, or at least within my world that is bringing so many of my collectibles back to me. The other ghosts in the cemetery balked at her appearance, too. Some hid their faces. Some tried to curse her or attack her, too. Suddenly, I didn't feel quite so alone or attacked any longer. They think you're evil, yes, she went on to say, eyeing them as though they were little children, and she, their perturbed nurse but they don't really understand why. That is their word. You must not let it become your word. I have missed you, I said. I said it to this woman I knew only for a little while when she was alive, and who I never forgot, and I meant it. Never mind that, she went on and gestured to my wings and to my overall appearance, which, since she had last seen me, had become quite changed. Perhaps I appeared to be crazed and disheveled after my time in the dark prison, after my rise in power from my dark stranger, after centuries of turning gentle curiosity towards the world to a desire to change it, then to dominate it, then to run from it, and now to... to what? Liberate it? Defend it? What's happened to you? She asked. I did not speak what had happened. How could I? But images flashed through my mind of centuries, centuries since she had last seen me. Centuries of pain and pleasure. Of love. Love that was unhealthy. Love that was toxic. And love that was healing and that was enriching. Of strength. Too much strength, more than I could handle even, but that I tried desperately hard to. Power that I accepted much too eagerly, even sought after. She understood. She looked at my wings. Her phantom hands ran over them with indifferent curiosity and appraisal, as though she were inspecting a horse she intended to purchase. She looked into my black eyes examining how they had changed. She took my hands in her hands and looked at the lines in my palms, turning them this way and that, not interested whatsoever in the unnatural length of my fingers and claws, only interested in the lines, the lines that I only realized now had not changed since I was human. She smiled. I should probably tell you that your life will end one day, she said. I don't know if it is a comfort or a concern to you, but you will die one day. I don't know when or how, but I thought you should know. I thought you might want to know. I froze in place at the notion of this. Yes, it was a terrifying thing to hear. I didn't hate nor love it but I did fear it. And the witch smiled. You will die, just as I did. And she turned to the crowd of outraged ghosts who now surrounded us. They were no longer violent since they realized they could effect no change on either of us. But they did want to watch us. They wanted to keep us in their sights. And, the witch continued, just as they did. I turned around and looked at each of them. Most of them were dressed quite grandly. This made sense, as this was indeed a cemetery for the affluent, for people who could afford such beautiful monuments to themselves while they were alive. Some older than others, some stronger, some weaker. I had summoned them out of their graves just to see how they would react to me. Was I really shocked at the outcome? I had disturbed their rest. Some of them, however, were sat on the tombstones, or stood either alone or in groups apart from the ones around me. Some were not dressed as finely as the others. In fact, they appeared quite the opposite. Dressed shabbily, they smiled. Some were dressed well enough, some even tipped their hats at me, but it was clear that this was not their cemetery. They just decided to come, and looking through the gates of the place, I saw even more on the streets. Some had stopped to look at me and the angry crowd, but most of them were just walking, or sitting, or standing laughing, weeping, running, dancing, who knows. The veil was lifted everywhere tonight. I suppose I knew this. I had understood it innately, but it never occurred to me that I needn't go to a cemetery to find dead souls. The witch was still smiling as she said suddenly, Or perhaps I'm wrong, I could very well be. Perhaps you will live forever. Perhaps you will have to spend an eternity trying to understand souls, both dead and alive, souls of others, and your own soul. Perhaps you will always and forever be lost and confused and not know your place or your purpose. Perhaps you are destined, or doomed, to always be trying to change the world. No matter how much it turns you away. No matter how much it defeats you. No matter how much it capitulates to you. She laughed. Hmm. Just like everyone else. And I swear that at that moment, all of these ghosts began to laugh. A little at first, but then growing to a symphony of strange, desperate glee. At first, I thought to myself that this is the madness of the dead, but this is the madness of everyone, isn't it? It is the madness of life and of death, the madness of what we creatures of the earth are, always struggling and always climbing rising and falling searching and failing somewhere at that moment there was a girl sitting at a computer wondering at her own purpose her own searchings and her own failings somewhere at that moment there was a person listening to her and to me wondering too At this moment, that girl and that person are still sitting. And this is the place I haunt. I haunt the place between performer and audience, between writer and reader, between podcast and listener. I haunt this place. This empty space between she and you. This space that we are afraid to acknowledge. I haunt this place. This is my purpose. For now. I think. This all-hallow tide. I was rejected and I was accepted by phantoms both lost and found. And I suppose that is the best I can hope for. Through the guidance of a good witch who is still burning to this day, I have come to realize that there is joy in the act of haunting. For the act of haunting is a decision to live with others, to reach out, with hands that grab gently at empty air and hope that there are hands that reach back. That is purpose enough for me. I honor the living and the dead with the act of reaching. That was my all-hallow tide. Well, I suppose that's all I shall share tonight, my friends. My good friends. My kind friends. My ever-present friends. I'll haunt you again soon. Good night, sweet friends. Hi, everybody, and happy belated Halloween. This is Kristen Zaza, your writer, host, podcaster, etc. Thank you so much for listening into episode 83 of On a Dark Cold Night. I'm going to start off with a couple of thank yous. First of all, to Julia Roback, who became our latest supporter on Patreon. Thanks so much, Julia. It means so much that you enjoy what I do enough to want to support me monthly for it, and I'm so very grateful. I just found out about this as I was working on this episode today, so um, I'm so happy I got to get in a thank you uh, right away. If you'd like to help the show like Julia, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight, where every patron receives access to the soundtrack of the show. If you'd like to donate but don't want access to the soundtrack, you can also support the show at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. This would be for one-time donations, unlike Patreon. Thanks again, Julia. Another thank you goes out to Riley underscore Joyce, who left us a lovely five-star review on iTunes called My All-Time Favorite, all caps. It reads, I fall asleep to these creepy yet soothing stories every night. The otherworldly music and description makes this my all-time favorite podcast. Wow, thank you so much for these glowing words. I'm blown away. You can also help out the show like Riley Joyce by leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our Facebook page by the same name. You can also find me on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, or on Facebook or YouTube. You can also help out by listening to us on the free Radio Public app, where every listen works towards your podcast or being paid for their work. Finally, we also have some great t-shirts and sweaters available for purchase at bonfire dot com slash on dash a dash dark dash cold night. Thank you again for listening tonight. The weather's getting colder. The pumpkins will be going away soon. On and on it goes, right? Have a wonderful night, my friends. Take care of yourselves. Till next time.